Welcome back to the First Issue Club podcast. This week, we're covering two crazy Marvel books. We got Major X and War of the Realms. Yep, you heard it right. Stick around. Welcome to First Issue Club, a podcast where we cover first issues weekly. We read them, we look at them, and we enjoy them with you. It's a reading club. If you want to jump into comic books anytime, here's the podcast for you as we lead you through the muddy and sometimes murky world that is the comic book landscape. This week in the club, we've got Mike D, Caitlin, and Greg, and me, Budget King. The whole team is back, and we just got back from Planet Comic Con. So, team. <laughs> oh, my God. So, team, gather around. <laughs> yes, take a knee. Yes. A- assemble. <laughs> First issue club, assemble. <laughs> yes, I- coach. All right, club. Uh, give me give me the hot takes about Kansas City's plom- Planet Comic Con. Planet Comic Con. Kansas call City Plopicon. Planet City's Comic Plan. Kansas City Plopicon. Plopicon. <laughs> <laughs> well, we lost Caitlin for the next 20 minutes. Sorry for that, Wheeze. Did you guys read the Guardians of the Galaxy where Groot can't make a fart noise? Yeah, he goes, plap, 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 plap. Plap, 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 plap. Planet Comic Con was really, really good this year. Uh, we had a great time. We went... Um, with you guys, obviously. Uh, it just seemed more fluid this year. The crowds didn't seem as unmanageable. 100%. I am, the second I walked onto the floor, given I was a little buzzed, I was immediately like way better than last year. There were actually comic book things. It was dense with people and right. booths and cool shit. That was seemingly related to comic books, right? Yeah. Last year it was like fidget spinners and guys selling like siding and windows. Yeah. Like, why the fuck is that a, a Comic-Con? Get that uh, shit yeah. out of here. I get why, I get why it's there. Because mm-hmm. they, you know, they think, oh, nerds have homes. They need roofs and mm-hmm. garden uh, and, gutters and, and life stuff. insurance. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> I, I get what you're trying to do, but do it somewhere else. Yeah. Pass out a pamphlet. The energy was super strong, and it felt like everybody was pumped to just be doing their thing. Like, the panels seemed super strong as yeah. well. Everybody I talked to had a great time, and that's not always the case with Planet Comic It's really not. Um, our friend Steve yeah. was there. I talked to him um, this week at the comic book shop. Uh, he makes his own creator-owned comic books. He said he said he sold more this year than the last two years at his booth. He said people were just in the buying mood, and he was selling... Like hotcakes, as we like to say. <laughs> we had our buddies from Boulevard Brewery there as well, which is a Kansas City brewery that's starting to distribute all across the country. They're oh, really yeah. cool guys. And they, it was awesome to have like a brewery doing like cool nerd shit at your comic book convention. Yeah, they had like stand up arcade games. Yep. They had tastings every couple hours. They announced that their Space Camper beer is the official beer. Of the Dark Phoenix. What? <laughs> Here's, I wonder, has Planet Comic Con always served alcohol? Yes. Yep. Okay. It felt like alcohol was the lubricant that, like, 
made everybody kind of a little bit more enjoyable. Maybe that's because we enjoyed that lubricant. <laughs> well, three fourths of us. Right. It was beer was much more obviously readily available this year yeah. than it's ever been. I just grabbed three. <laughs> uh, green teas and waited to play magic for two hours. <laughs> yeah, but tell the people who you played magic with. Oh, I played magic with Brandon Sanderson, if you guys are familiar. Probably the most current prolific fantasy and sci-fi author. Which, if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably heard that name thrown around. <laughs> yes. And you've probably heard about magic. It's uh, a less cool Pokemon. <laughs> right. Uh, the most played game by people in Mensa, a genius organization, if you aren't familiar. What is that? Uh, well, oh, I fucking hate people are like, actually, I'm a member of Mensa. If you are an adult, is that and the you're man boy love people like clubs that you're involved in? You really need Fuck to check off. like who you are. I've cussed a lot during this episode. Uh, so we, we should mention we did a panel. We did a panel, <laughs> to, and it went off without a hitch. Not a single one. We're back one. to talking about Planet Comic Con yes. as well. Back to Planet Comic Con. We over prepared for this uh, panel, and I think it paid off. We did almost every slide that we had prepared for. <laughs> but we weren't supposed to. <laughs> that's, that's true. What do you mean? Like, w- we went too short. Those We had a couple throwaway we panels where we're just like, well, we'll probably never get to these. Lessons about oh, pacing. We nailed it to the minute. Oh, yes. The lady was like, you need to get out of here yeah. in like 10 seconds. She... And I was like, and now I'm done. Man, what a fun job she had just to hold up cards in the back of the room that said 10 yep. minutes. She mm-hmm. was laughing, though. So at I least nev- we entertained her. I never looked at her, and I was like, this, she could have gave me the 10-minute sign 20 minutes ago, and I'd have no idea. Right. I had more fun doing that than most things I've done in my life. (laughs) No, is that right? (laughs) Is that right? I'm so glad to have shared that moment with you. It was great. It was crazy. It was everything I wanted in a panel. Yeah. Were there any segments that you thought were going to bomb but did really well? Um... I was apprehensive about Game of Bulges. Yes, we mm-hmm. made a game where members of the audience would guess the bulge on different superheroes. And people, actually, I think what we found out is people love guessing things. Yeah. Yes. And they love bulges. Yeah, they were thirsty they for both. They love anything that makes them feel naughty. They liked famous lists. <laughs> the most iconic? That yes. was the thing I was worried about. I was like... We're going to literally be showing pictures of chairs to people (laughs) and and asking them to have an engaging time with it. And by that time, I think we had invited like complete lunacy and people were like, fine, that's that's not a belt. I I think also we had asked for so much audience participation that we did not get throughout the whole thing. And it was finally like loosening people up by that point. How do you guys think there was one joke that I was very excited about on our list of top five most iconic chairs of all time? Right. The first one was Santa's lap. (laughs) And then I immediately followed it by the 1938 Ames shell chair. <laughs> uh, yeah, that <laughs> I was while like, we think it's a great joke. <laughs> oh, no, there was some laughs. There, I think there, there weren't laughs. many there designers in the room. Wait, you know what got a lot of laughs is all the pre-jokes that we worked out in our text chain, too. Yeah. Like the little con jokes that we had. Yeah, those were really, really good. That was a good, good warm-up. Yeah. Um, so we, we also did another segment called Modoc or POTUS. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. That one validates itself just on title alone. Uh-huh. And I kind of want to do that again next year. Yeah. Well, hopefully not next year. You guys know what I mean. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, no, but that, it would still It'll be still next be. year. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I yeah. understand the reference. Yeah. Because uh, 
uh, the, we, he'll be dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I have my say, I guess he but, could uh, be impeached. I guess. Yeah. Well, the thing is, uh, our 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 gag was all the all the quotes were Modoc because yeah. they were so insane. And our current president is so insane that you don't the, say. the two are so <laughs> indistinguishable that that's the gag. But I feel like we should pepper in some actual Trump quotes yeah. in there and really confuse Here people. Here was my thing with it. I felt like it either needed to be shorter <laughs> or way longer. I think that it would have been funnier if it ended like it was short and sweet yeah. or if we just like really beat it into the ground. <laughs> we kind of started the panel saying, hey, our editor normally takes out all these things that we've always wanted to do so we're just gonna do it for an hour straight like all that build up yeah in, in <laughs> fairness i think if anyone sat through that and enjoyed it they're gonna love every minute of every episode that we do oh yeah, yeah. it was yeah. a very good introduction into i'll say that we also skipped over another handful of slides mm-hmm. that were about go into a it. comic book called astro hustle that a man from Lawrence, Kansas, a nearby city, had written, and he was going to hop on our panel. Never showed up. We find out later that he bailed on Comic-Con because he was embroiled in controversy. Yep. He put a sign on his uh, his table that yep. said he had a family emergency. Right. Literally the next day, we found all this Twitter storm of um, he essentially he's now been dropped from that comic book. The yeah, comic they canceled, canceled that comic. Yeah. yeah, because and he's been dropped from Dark Horse. Yeah, been, no shit. Like completely. From, wow. Forever. Um. Well, his name is Giantz. Yeah. Let's yeah. not skirt around the issue. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So his name is Giantz. He's from Lawrence. He committed um, sexual assault. Uh, I think it was. Was it alleged? We well, I mean, I they already know. fired him, well, so that's... Yeah, I don't it's, know well, what's, it's, it's still alleged come because out that's I don't, been I don't confirmed. Think, I don't know if there's been a case against it. There's an alleged sexual assault case, who, which has since been corroborated by somebody else. Still, And I think harassment the, corroborated by others. Yes. Like, and so, separate instances. And the stories are detailed and bad. But what... When he was so endearing to you guys, you guys were falling over yourselves talking oh, about. Oh, we had how- met him at C two E two the week yeah. prior, and he was such a charming guy. He was, yeah, he very was, nice. He had us all like enamored, and we loved the book he'd written. And he was just immediately so friendly and so nice to us that we were just so stoked to have him on our panel at Planet Comic Con. It's exciting and to meet someone, especially somebody that you know has done work recently that you've enjoyed and then they're accessible. Yeah. Because it feels like an exclusive thing like, oh, so yeah, you're correct. We were... I think we had a little bit of a conversation about just shitheads in the comic book industry. Obviously that's a thing. Comicsgate is awful and ongoing, hopefully goes away Probably will never happen. Probably never happen. (laughs) But uh, it's just a reminder that there are, like, predators and shitheads, like, everywhere. That I like to think that the thing that I love is void of this. Untarnishable. Yeah, you go to to a comic book convention and you feel like, man, this is such a safe place where everyone can just let their freak flag fly and be whoever they want to be and not be judged by anybody. That is not the case at all. And At I, all. I just, and that's that's part of my pitch to people on, like, nerd culture is how inclusive and awesome it's it's supposed to be. 
And but I'm looking at it through, you know, my lens as a white cisgendered male, and that's just it's just not the case. And the older I get, the sadder it is to see like how far from the truth that is. But I'm glad my eyes are at least like open to this. Well, and they have there's obviously a lot of people and the right people with access to um to change some of these things in the yep. way it's viewed are are getting um getting the word out because they have we saw signs at C2E2, we saw signs at Planet um that are very visible. They're all over the place and they are um like the cosplay is not consent. Yep. Yep. The anti-harassment policies. And the thing I thought was the most interesting that I read at Planet on Planet's sign was that um, they included making fun of people for no nerd cred on it. Yeah. I was like reading oh. it and I was like, that's yeah. huge because that is, that goes directly against See, that inclusive community. If you don't think someone knows enough, you're assuming that first off. Yep. And second, you don't need to make a comment about that. That See, ruins the experience yes. for... It blows my mind that like every every industry has their own like power hungry male that feels like entitled to just be like I need this person to be into me and I'm going to force it in in some way. Cancel culture is everywhere, bitch. <laughs> it made its way to comic books. You can suck a fuck if you're a predator. <laughs> totally. And you're, I'm I'm here for it. You're Let's fucking rattle canceled. this tree and get all of these fuckwads out of here You're and canceled. just done. out of the industry. Bye. I'm done with it. And I, and I, you know, this is the same week that Joe Biden, um, all of that stuff comes out. And, oh. and, and so, and people are trying to say it's, it's innocuous. I'm, I happen to be a Joe, or I was a Joe Biden fan. Um, but, you know, putting your hands on girls, smelling their hair and kissing them when they don't want you to is no longer acceptable, and it should have never been acceptable. That's fucked up. And if you're a, a Democrat and you defend him because he's a Democrat and not a Republican... You're just as bad as the other Get the, the fuck out of here. Yeah. You're, yeah, yeah, you're just... Yeah. It, it's weird that, like, so many people, like, are... are and, and, and frankly, like, the, the statement of never meet your heroes has never been truer to me than when I started doing this podcast. We also interviewed... Um, Eric Esquivel. Who... Uh, was a great interviewer. So cool. And really fun. Author of, uh, well, I forgot Porter the Town. book. Yeah, there we go. The book that will shall not be named. The guy <laughs> though, but the other, the illustrator of that book is a fucking phenomenal person. Yeah. Um, and he gets, he's getting work. Yeah, That's and, awesome. Yeah. Through That's Vertigo and DC. And, and the ink, the colorist was really good. Cool. Yeah. Um, good. No, uh, it's, it's very damaging to the people associated with that work that weren't associated with any of the behaviors. Which sucks. And they and that dude straight up called Eric out too, um, but it sucks because it's like you, it's so easy to just be two different people, you know. Like you don't have to wear your scarlet letter of like, I'm a shitbag, uh, when you're in an interview. And I was like, I honestly was captivated by him. And you guys, the same with Jainitz uh, when yep. you met him. The Esquivel stories made me sick to my stomach, Espe yeah. like especially after like. Like, we didn't actually get to interview Giantz, but after having, like, sitting down in a studio, feeling super stoked about somebody and communicating with them, like, oh, it made me sick. I hated it. Did we delete that episode? I think we deleted our we, episode. Yeah, we, we, we deleted it, just um, to not give him any more promotion. Yeah, yeah. we're not going to promote that fuckhole. <laughs> 
It's weird that like I don't I don't. Greg's like bringing the hammer down. He should. No, fuck that. I I have no room in my mind or my life for people who prey upon others who they perceive as weak and try to take advantage of them to benefit themselves either professionally, sexually, or in any other way. I don't. I'm not. I'm not fucking around. I don't want it. Yep. Either zero tolerance. Either get to a counselor and correct yourself, or fucking jump off a bridge. Yep. And how how sad is this that we've, throughout the course of our podcast, we've officially scheduled, I think, three guests ever, mm-hmm. three comic book creator guests. Yep. Two of them. Two of the three. Two of the three. Well, heavy shit. <laughs> we started out on a roller coaster of fun. Yeah. It's heavy, but it needs to be talked about. Yeah, well, 100% needs to be said. It needs to be talked about. What's that? Is that the two comic books that we're covering today? Fucking lava hot. Ooh, I mean, this God. W- this week is like center of the earth magma, you guys. I had to wear, uh, what, what are those you, things? I think you're thinking of oven mitts. Oven mitts. Oh. <laughs> oven mitts. I have my hands in like a claw shape. Yeah, yeah you look like you were like. Pantomime was on yeah. point. Yeah. I, you, it looked like you were grabbing boobs. Yeah, guess what? We're playing a, a <laughs> I charades thought it looked like, here. A, like a cookie sheet. What kind of. I, I read I read both the comics um like around two o'clock today and I got went back into work and everybody was like did you just go to Miami you're so sunburned oh from the, the heat <laughs> the heat, <laughs> the heat radiating <laughs> off radiating off these books yeah uh, I can't wait to get into them okay death rats test cop sheets still I just read let's get this podcast started backwards like bizarre whoa <laughs> hail Satan <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got The War of the Realms out on Marvel Comics. Marvel, you've been telling us about this for a while, and it is now finally here. Jason, Aaron, and Russell Dodderman have graced us with their presence for this epic Marvel event that will be going over multiple issues, not only this title, but this is the launch of it in book number one. Caitlin, what happened here? Okay, so Malekith is essentially getting all of the bands back together for super destruction across all realms. In this number one, which does have some preluding events, um, Marvel has like a prelude collection also available, uh, we see... How well? How many spoilers? How much spoilers? Should we keep it to a minimum? I think you can go all in on this. Okay, doing it. So we see Thor lured away to... Jotunheim. Uh, Let's do a little disclaimer here. There's a lot of hard names <laughs> yes. of realms. I'm going to well, stumble on through Nordic them. Realms Here's the thing, too, for me, like I have ways that I've said them for the last 10 years. Could be completely wrong. Yeah. Inclu- <laughs> inclu- including Malika. I've never heard yes. this. I've never heard anyone else say them out loud until right now. It's very strange <laughs> yeah. to say them myself. Uh-huh. Well, so anyway, he's there um, uh, to maul some frost giants while Malekith goes to Midgard launching a full-scale attack against the Avengers and friends, and then poor Loki just can't stay alive anywhere. 
So this was this was a massive undertaking. What I was going to start it off by saying is that I have not read probably the majority of stories leading up to this. And um, for Jason Aaron to intro a story like this in a way that I could understand without much labor was very impressive to me. He has a map at the very beginning, which you know I love, yep. but it helps orient you immediately. Um, and then right up, like next the next thing you see is the cast of characters, which isn't, you know, new to this type of story where it's going to be mm-hmm. a big event. But And then you have the checklist at the back, and it's very clear to me that they're trying to be reader-friendly. I had a bunch of fun reading <clears throat> this book too, Caitlin, and I thought about it all day, so I like completely echo that. I do have a couple of questions that would help me, maybe you, maybe some other people that don't really understand some stuff Okay. that I'm going to throw at you. And I know that uh, some of you attended a War of the Realms panel at CQE2, so you might be the leading experts in this. Uh, Why are the War of the Realms actually happening now? Like, what caused that in Marvel? I think Malekith wanted to control... All the realms. He wanted to. He wanted to have absolute power. Had that been happening in comic books, or did that just boom happen? In I this? think slowly over different Thor books, like you've been hinted at it, just a touch. And Malekith had a, uh, a huge story arc in Thor that's was like that's been kind of ongoing for the past year or more. Right, and, right. and that's where his first appearance is too. Is that right or no? Some it, it's in Thor. I don't know what specific one. Okay, but. For those who don't know, too, this is this is an event that kind of tackles the whole Marvel universe, but is really set within the uh, storytelling of Thor. Well, the mythology is mainly from Thor, yeah, but it, it's bleeding into all these other books, mm-hmm. yeah. And we're going. The map that we're following is the is what Thor calls the world. So when he calls Earth Midgard, Midgard, like that's how this comic book is functioning. Second question I have is Thor does not. Have Niamar, uh, Mjolnir, ha- M- Mjolnir, Mjolnir, yeah, uh, his hammer. He has multiple hammers. Yes. So it- this was covered in the new Thor number one that came out uh, in 2018. Um, Mjolnir's been destroyed. It's gone. So now he has this just arsenal of other <laughs> hammers he can call upon at whim, which is almost as badass. I love it as just having Mjolnir, and they're infinite. Yeah, for, for the Seemingly, most part. Seemingly, yes. <laughs> if he's just throwing them off this boat and they're not coming back and he has more to throw yeah. off. He fe- he figured out the cheat code. So he's like the Donkey Kong. Rosebud. He's, he's like the, when you get uh, in Mario and Donkey Kong and you can just throw the hammers like rapidly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's that superhero. Yeah. Why, and my last question is in the back of the book, it's like, or the last page, sorry, it's like, Thor, we need you. You're the only thing that can save this world. Why is that they have the Hulk, they have Captain Marvel, they have a lot of other. Why is Thor the key to winning this? I think that's just how it's being written. It's okay. it's like an Asgardian thing. He's probably going to be the next true ruler of Asgard. He's going to probably play a, a much larger role within the Thor books. Mm-hmm. As far, I think Odin, it's probably alluding to that he's going to be either stepping down or killed. Quotation marks. Yep. So I think this is Thor's journey. Was it he killed in this? It one? looked as if Odin was killed in the first yeah. three pages. Of well, this book. he was stabbed. 
but no dead body. Multiple and as we times. all know, yes, when you move to a different panel and you're just getting stabbed, you're alive. And p- please walk me through this. Um, I'm going to talk about Loki's death a little bit. Yes. Um, he's eaten by his father. Who is a frost giant. Yeah. After he cuts off his hand. After he cuts off the frost giant's Total hand. Total Oedipus. <laughs> <laughs> so his mother has a moment with him and she's just like, I still don't know to believe you whether you're on our side or not. Loki famously stabbed her in the back. Yes. Um, At like uh, actually, right? Uh, yeah. Yes, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Physically L- stabbed her. Literally stabbed her in, in her the back. back. Um She's he's like, I know how I'm going to prove it to you. And then he lets himself get eaten by his father. I'm assuming there's more to that. Well, that's kind of what I thought tied into why Thor was the only one to stop this, because that's what Loki said. Yeah, Loki says it. No one else. So was Loki like, knows something. Yeah, that we that we as the reader don't know yet, mm-hmm. I think. And, and since and, he's been on the other side. Yep. And him mm-hmm. being eaten by his father is a part of the solution here that we need Thor for. Like, his sacrifice has to mean something in the end for what he said to his mother to make sense to what he said to Freya. Do you think it was a scroll? No. No. (laughs) So, has Wolverine ever been referred to as old adamantium bones before? (laughs) Because I loved that. This raises a great point about this. Uh, Jason Aaron, in his writing... Flipped a switch maybe a year year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. He's he's funny. He's very funny. <laughs> he, like there's a plenty of good jokes in this. He used to be like the serious ep- serious epic writer that like everything had this like dark grisly tone, and you were like, yes, like all my comic books are just so dark and twisted and epic, <laughs> and we loved that about him. And then after a while, you're kind of just like. Oh, this has been so dark and epic for so long that, like, I need some lightning to it. And he changed his game up, and it's been amazing. Yeah. Ever since Marvel Now, that uh, about a year and a half ago. That was a while ago. Marvel Now was, like, three years ago now. Was it? I think so. Oh, Marvel Legacy. I'm sorry. Marvel Legacy. Marvel Legacy. There's a part where they're introducing, like, the current Avengers team to somebody, and the other person is confused and is essentially like, you guys are the Avengers. Yeah. Daredevil. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it was Daredevil. Yep. Da- Daredevil is like basically being like, "That's all you guys are." Yeah, totally and like B team Avengers. Yeah. And of course, Captain America is like, "But we're actually good fighters. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're actually pretty good." Yeah. Golly gee. Uh, <laughs> do you remember like a few pages later, everyone's like, "Watch out, watch out!" And then Blade's in the back, and he's just like, "I'm Blade." <laughs> yeah. I don't watch out. Yeah. Something to that yeah. effect. Yeah. It's just like you don't have to he say your name. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> Is Blade... But maybe they're all trying to like vie for like, you know, big boy stance in the group. I guess so. Yeah. Is Blade I'm only in Blade. the current Avengers because they're actually fighting vampires? Um, good question. Mm, yeah, <laughs> it was a good way to get him in. <laughs> oh, but yeah. it's cool that he's in the. Avengers. Yeah, he needed a reprise for sure. It's yeah. such a good character, and he hasn't been in anything prominent yeah. for a long time. Thought... So it was a really fun usage of him. I thought they had to refer to Blade as Wesley Snipes in the comics. Through the contracts that they had, yeah, yeah. because of uh, the whole sling, sling blade situation where they copyrighted sling blade and blade. <laughs> yes, 
perfect. Um, I also love bow tied. Yeah, <laughs> we've resolved this issue, and we can safely move on to the next, which is uh, a word from our sponsors. What's up, everybody? I'm Garrett, and I'm Carson, and we are Two Views Movies, a spoiler-filled podcast from Kansas City, Missouri. We love watching movies, but we love arguing about them even more. Do we? I mean, do we really love arguing about them more than watching them? Well, we certainly spend more time arguing than actually watching them. Eh, I don't know. Well, we'll just agree to disagree. Well, you can agree. Well, our weekly podcast features reviews of new releases, retro reviews of older favorites, obscure top five lists, and our two views of all things movies. To join in the arguments, you can find our podcast on all major platforms and at twoviewsmovies.com. And you can also find spoiler-free written reviews of the movies we watch on our site as well. So come check us out and hear what we talk about next. Will it be something good? Something bad? Bit of both? Bit of both. There's this really funny interaction between all these, like, you know, orcs and orgs from Offelheim and Juttenheim and all these places. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Anaheim. She Hulk. Yeah, and Anaheim. Oh, Fuck you. Yes. The last realm. <laughs> That's too good. <laughs> that is really fucking funny. Anaheim. I know what you're going to say, though. The eighth realm. And uh, She Hulk is bashing some dude in and is like, Hulk will smash you before smashing other, like, elves. And these two ogres are just like, dude, first dibs. Yeah. She's, she is mine. Like, I'm she, in love. Yeah, yeah, I am in love. I saw her first. First of all, this is the only ogre impression that you need to do is like surfer dude. Like that's what all ogres should sound they like. They talk like they're from California. <laughs> dude, I'm an ogre. This, this is the My fir- dad is funding this new production I'm working on, but it's like I'd be successful without him even. Dude, this club lit. I'm going to take the 405 <laughs> over to Anaheim, the seventh round. <laughs> Dude, I'm just going to get a full new set of pukas. <laughs> Head on down to Anaheim. <laughs> Fucking live it up with my bros. Catch a Ducks game. <laughs> but yeah, that was a, a really funny interaction where uh, She-Hulk is hulking out. Yeah, what was that? Yeah, She-Hulk was hulking God out. God damn it. I did it. I did it. I did it. <laughs> This is the first um, event that I've ever read for Marvel when I looked kind of like where all the books were going to be published. And I was like, am I actually going to buy all these? Like, <laughs> like considering doing it Don't. full throttle. I know you've done it multiple times and almost always regretted it. Well, yep. I'll say this. Caitlin and I were in that panel where they talked about it. And after that panel was over, we looked at each other just like, we're going to be fucking broke. Yeah. Because the way they described every book in like the... The, well, got, the like, sneak the, preview panels and stuff. And you've got the offshoots like Journey into Mystery, which is a one of five, which would be easy to pick up and not feel like, oh, now I'm starting halfway through this other run. Like, I think Unbeatable Squirrel Girls is like number 43. Like, mm-hmm. maybe we're not going to get that one. But like, just, is Venom's just, this week? or It's next oh, week. Or next yeah. week, I mean. Yeah. yeah. But it's like, I get that. Like, they're, they're milking this bad boy. It's well, like every other event that Marvel does, you have your main book, and then it just bleeds out. It bleeds out into other books, forcing you to just pick up random shit you would never pull. And I get that, that it's annoying, and that a lot of people... You really think it's a marketing ploy and not a storytelling ploy? Yes. I think oh, I, fuck yeah. yeah so totally. it's driven by marketing, but I think what they've done is they... Well, at least as far as the panel led us to believe in like, the previews that we were given, let it... Like, they're going to... Be very intentional from storytelling point too. 
It fucking delivered. Yeah, it did. <laughs> it fucking delivered. This bo- This was a thick book, and from front to back, had my attention every page. It was so good. Every page. It, it set was up so good. all the different uh, avenues that we're going to be exploring through this event. Yep. It laid out the stakes. There are consequences. There are there are big changes that happen within the first three pages of this book. I mean, yep. get this book either in trade or keep up with it in paper uh, in the, in the, in the single issues. It's it's golden. And just like Caitlin said, even if you haven't read anything amping up to this, it's like Lord of the Rings War, all on modern day Earth with all of your favorite superheroes involved. up we have major x written by rob leefield and also arted by rob leefield arted arted up arted robert up. may know rob leefield as um mr 90s the night your 90s was brought to you by him <laughs> if you were into comics he brought you <laughs> muscles he brought you x-force he brought he created pouches uh pouches yeah he created deadpool cable domino can't draw feet um, and then he went over to Image and helped uh, do like their version of X Force, which I think is called Young Blood. Yeah. Yep. And uh, so he is just uh, muscle bound, time traveling uh, freaks, and that scored my '90s experience. And I was pumped to see that he was doing this. We've also covered this, and I think it bears mentioning. He's a very fit person, so if you can take the time to look up. His physique, um, Caitlin found him eight out of ten attractive. I didn't rate him. I mentally, when we were looking at each other, I was you like, shared a moment. Yeah, I'll, from across the I'll, room. I'll rate him Rob Layfield a full snack. He is he is a completely unopened can of Pringles, a pristine on the shelves full snack. Integrity. Come does, hungry, leave satisfied. Does he get? Does he get four four stars out of four for for being an attractive? Yeah, person? he does. But I have a review on this comic. I don't know why it fucking exists. <laughs> what? Oh, this comic. Do you just want me wait, to get into I, it? Yeah, let's let's uh, let Caitlin <laughs> tell us about this comic before Greg mansplains away your. Uh, before I pop off. <laughs> Uh, okay, so Major X is from another existence, uh, where, which I wrote all of these words with like X dash because that happens everywhere in this comic, and Ooh, it got a boy. little yes. tedious. Another super crazy signature Rob Layfield thing, which if I can interject ahead of time, sorry, Caitlin <laughs> again. Right. I feel like this is gonna be one hot take after another. Major X, the. Perfect fucking thing to call a new Rob Layfield character because yep. X dash whatever the fuck is like so 90s Rob Layfield. Yeah. Signature to a T. Yeah. Great. Caitlin, take it away. <laughs> okay. So the existence um, that Major X is from, this is where another mutant utopia exists. Only now it's gone and he needs the X-Men that we're more familiar with to save it. So we get some some other little snacks um, in this one would be another future man known as Dreadpool. Boo. And uh, uh, first appearance. Chaos alert. basically ensues from there. I was going to say that one of the things that also struck me as 
enough quantity that I noticed it and got yep. taken out a little bit was the punch per page ratio. Yeah, Rob. So many punches. Signature Triple Rob. P's. Use I, your words. Nope. No, they're I literally talking while punching, and everyone's just trading punch after punch Me after punch. Me and Greg couldn't be more at opposite ends of the spectrum <laughs> on <laughs> takes and the number of degrees this uh, book rates at. Uh, it's hot, hot, hot to my touch. Like I said, <laughs> magma hot comic books and it's chilly 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 cold in Greg's hands it and it's is. a negative 10 yeah, every, to him everything. it's 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 even though it's a negative 10 to you Greg it's a, it's a, it's it fucking 10,897 degrees to me well, it's well, we can both agree on is we both have to wear special gloves to hold this book it's true this book is a little bit of just flex for all his like career stuff that he's done oh yeah, and he's like, it's no big deal. Guess what? You think you're going to get one new character? No, 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 no. I'm going to give you two, baby. I'm going to drop another fucking Deadpool on your asses. Deucing it up. Huge. Huge. Well, well, and this was marketed from the get-go. Of like as a new character, as new character, just like they would have done in the '90s with right. a big starburst on the cover that says "Introducing an all new." They didn't do that for Deadpool. Collector's issue. After the fact, they may have, but they didn't do it for Deadpool. No, they didn't do it for or Deadpool. Cable. I'm not sure they knew what they had with Deadpool. When they he... did not. His style's been called gruesome. Really? Yeah, he's got a very like loose, choppy kind of style, which I think is beautiful. Caitlin, your take on the artistic style of this comic book. I say 10 out of 10 on bulges and muscles. Fuck yeah. The two things that matter to all of us. I do think the stances are, um, they the way he draws them, they make you pay attention. Fight scenes don't get lost in the shuffle of just trying to figure out what's happening because the positions that he draws people in, like even when you have Dreadpool fighting Deadpool, yep. it's like... It's still very striking. And I think one of his um, clear talents is vignetting a character like against another and making sure that each one individually pops as their own thing. Like when you see that uh, original X-Force cover that was, I don't know if you guys remember, it was like a whole like gatefold sort of thing or it was a wraparound rather. Mm -hmm. Uh And you see all the characters on it. Each one is so unique and distinct. And he's got this certain way of just like adding accessories and gear and a, like a face style and a color scheme to each character that makes everyone so like standalone. And when you think about comics in the 90s especially, I think too, when colors were more washed out and everything was printed on newsprint, that you really needed something like that to be able to keep your bearing, especially in, like, a clouded fight scene. Yeah. I'm really nerding out on the art and aesthetic of this right now, but, like, that's just, like, such a signature thing that I learned to love from his art style. So in the 90s, he wasn't thought of like that. He actually was thought of as unoriginal and is somewhat uh, credited with the bankruptcy of Marvel. Um, And What? Yes. I've never heard this take. Dive into his Comics Vine bio. Okay. Um, and you'll you'll will see that like as he so he was hated by Image and he got voted out by the board of Image when he tries to uh, create his own publisher of it. He goes back to like Marvel when they're basically trying to like get back out of bankruptcy, 
um, and can't do it. And a lot of people are saying, like, his artwork is not that original. It kind of just looks like every other muscle man stuff that's going on. Um, and and But, like, now in, in a revisionist history, he really, to me, looks like everything amazing about the 90s. And I kind of forget that Marvel was in the dumps and, like, those comic books were worth nothing at the time. Oh, yeah, it defined an era to me, for sure. Yeah. And his characters, like stand out as super iconic and individualistic. This may be naive of me, but how can one person, just by copying or having unoriginal art, bring a major publisher into bankruptcy? No, I mean, it, credited with doing a bankruptcy is, is not... It, I, I was... Uh, that was hyperbole. But the idea that, like, Marvel blew its wad and was, like, dipping into, like, these kind of, like, retreaded tales of, like, you know, time traveling, like really blowing it on like X-Men and going like hard on that. Yeah, they probably put too many eggs in one basket. Also like super white, um, like masculine, like and that kind of stuff. And and he was just, I mean, as the poster child of all of that, while that's going down, he Mm -hmm. definitely was the face of like Marvel not being successful. Hmm. Well, I'll say certainly as a kid going to my comic shop to pick up X-Men comics, I was so disappointed week to week that I couldn't follow anything that was going on. They were ridiculously hard to follow. And to this day, they're still embroiled in time travel and alternate universes and ridiculousness with multiple of one character being around. So, like, obviously his impact on Marvel still exists to this day because they're still telling yeah. those same exact stories with the same exact themes. I it, did I did not know that this comic was going to be a complete homage to like everything 90s. Yeah. That's not really how they so- sold well, it. And, and that to me is like the big reveal of this comic. To to me too, like I don't know, I still don't know if like that was if that's a gag or a gimmick or anything, but 100% Rob Layfield created an homage to himself or like a a parody of some of his work in like the truest form. Yeah, he's he's you could I, you could I, I, plop I this book anywhere in the past 30 years and I would be like sure makes sense. I also think he's kind <laughs> of being self-deprecating which makes it more easy to read. Yeah, that it's like, of course, it's another time travel story and every word has X dash in it. (laughs) It's like such a commentary on his style and the, like, things he made popular. Um, Can I ask a question? Please. And it has to do... Thank you for asking permission. I'll allow it. You're very welcome. Uh, And it has to do with time travel, so get your seatbelts on. Where does this take place in the X-Men timeline? Because if you'll remember, not a month to two months ago, we had an event called Extinction. And do you remember who died in Extinction? Cable did. And you know who killed him? Cable Jr. Baby Cable. Yeah. So, are we to surmise that this is, like, technically set in the 90s when Rob Liefeld was at the height of his Liefeldian. That's definitely what's going to be what's going to happen. Because he came back to to then. Yes. And I'm I'm living proof of this. The interesting thing that happens is that if you die, but a version (laughs) of yourself from the future comes back and and is you, nobody notices. Oh, totally. (laughs) Totally. Who do you think I am? (laughs) 
Right. We, sorry, I meant to say you and I are living proof uh-huh. that it, it doesn't matter once your your clone comes back and replaces you. Yeah. Yeah. The sex actually I've heard from um, all my partners is better. All your partners. Wait, do you have do you have sex with your clones? Or do your clones have sex with your significant others? They've told me that when they were not having sex with the B version of the clone me, that it was worse. Can I give you an alternate version of Major X that will blow your minds if it would have gone this way? Go for it. Okay. This relates to a book that we read, and I thought this was happening, and I was so jazzed, and then I was ultimately very disappointed. (laughs) Still love this book, but I thought this is going to be incredible. Okay. Major X, is it's established comes from this utopian uh, I have a... alternate ex-mutant society where, like, everything's been perfect for mutants for a long time. And the key uh, person and individual that's holding all of this together Who is, is that? X-Man. Is X-Man. Do which, we find that out? Which is the son of Scott Summers. Oh, fuck. Right? And so I thought that Major X was going to be from the world of Age of X-Men. Yeah. Right? Because it, it makes, makes sense it seem because like... that's the utopian world that, like, may be collapsing. their creator. Because Nathan Summers, yeah. or be, because X-Man is dying, and so this fake utopian world that he's built for the X-Men is collapsing. It lasted, like, 400 years or something? Yeah, and so he's taking what is essentially, like, his like, relative, and trying to, like, take pity on his, like, best friends or his closest allies during this and saying, like, survive. Um, I thought, before it was revealed that Major X was Cable's son, I thought Major X was going to be the child of... Those the, two mutants. Those that, two mutants. The psychic immunity. That got pregnant in oh, Age of X-Men. Oh, man. That would have been a twist. That would have been fucking bonkers. We would have gotten oh, Shyamalan. Man. And that would have been... That would have been, that? That been one of those things where, like, here's a low-print comic book that no one cared about or thought was important, but now it's worth, like, $100 immediately because... It got That's tied. He in, was conceived. It got tied into this crazy <laughs> so, thing where so he was conceived. So speaking of that, yeah. do you think that Major X or Cable's son or whatever his name is, and Dreadpool are going to be characters they're going to use outside of this five-part series? I, they they can't be. They have to die. Because then you're then you're muddying up the timelines, right? Which X Men does not give a no shit about. No qualms about it. One hundred percent, you're going to see these characters again. Mm. They're canon now. You, I mean, you guys could not have a diametric and, and opposition, Dreadpool more of a di- diametric opposition than you just did. I know. There's, Which is why we have to have this podcast. Well, you contradicted yourself immediately. You were yeah, just like, X-Men loves doing this shit. Yeah. They've invented Major X. If As long as Rob doesn't have, like, legal ownership over this character, it's going to turn up somewhere. Well, that's been... <laughs> Mike no. gets mad when we say that was, but there's uh, th- there needs to be a conclusive statement to end, for us to end the conversation for us to be like what are we, and for the edit the edit has to have something no there. it doesn't what and I get mad about it you don't get mad about it but you're like we shouldn't do it you you uh, you offer up a healthy correction we shouldn't end like that I agree with that yeah 
What's the substitute? What do we end with? All right. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. We just take, yeah, because we don't say anything. We just, we just end, right? There's no verbal cue. <laughs> the, real, the real design appropriate thing is to just, just kind of like let it end. So we did, where, where we would say something that would signify that this is done. We're not gonna. We're not gonna do that here. That's that's not in vogue. <laughs> um, in vogue. So just imagine three dots, kind of <laughs> <laughs> oh, slowly appearing. Yeah. And, uh, First issue club yeah. is. Yep. And if you, if you, yeah. If you don't. If you don't know how um, audio like sounds work, so like the music should be dipping out now. <laughs> That's going to be your cue. Nothing, no words that I'm saying are going to be your cue, though. So, um. If you're editing this and you leave it open. Yeah. I will say this. Thank you all for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Bad form, Greg. I love. Hey, you know what? Vintage is back. What if it was like a, uh, a slow fade-in, like the beginning of the se- last segment? We should, we should just have it like end every three minutes. Without it, so it just is like you should have known, <laughs> and then it comes just comes back up. <laughs> oh, that boy. last episode was weird. There was fourteen endings. <laughs> it just blinks. <sighs> oh, we could do this thing where, like, uh, we come back. So we record now, but we insert ourselves earlier in the podcast, and we're like, "This is a reference to Major X, like time travel. You don't get it now, but you will." Oh. Uh, let's just end it. <laughs> I'm sleepy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. No, I, I was, that was a joke. I know. I, it was a good joke, and I liked it a lot. And I hope you take that audio that you put in there. Thanks for saying that, man. Into the front. Thanks for saying that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> bye. No. <laughs> hey, I didn't say we couldn't say bye. No. 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 <laughs> Oh, no, 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 no. I didn't say no we audio, say no audio cues that end podcast. I never said that. This has been another episode of First Issue Club. We are a proud member of the Fountain City Frequency family of podcasts. Our music is provided by Primary Color Music. We are recorded in KCUR Studios. You can find us, rate us, friend, and follow us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, email, and your favorite listening platforms, at First Issue Club, F-I-R-S-T. This is a reference to Major X, like time travel. You don't get it now, but you will.